Welcome to the Birmingham Vineyard podcast. We hope you find it insightful and encouraging. If you want to find out more about us, why not check out our website, birminghamvineyard.com. So, um, yes, do you ever look at world leaders and think, what? Do they really represent me? Do they know the struggles I go through on a day-to-day basis? Do they really understand the struggles that the people they represent go through just to get by? Our earthly leaders are often born into a world we won't ever be part of. Many are born into privilege or they accrue incredible wealth and influence through what they do. And that will be more than they ever need or certainly much more than we could ever imagine. It's hard to think that they could ever understand us. They feel so far removed from our situation. In politics in this country, we have a term called the Westminster bubble. And it's a term that journalists use to describe the repeatedly inward-looking navel-gazing that politicians are often accused of. This bubble thinking exacerbates the gap between the leaders and the people. Now, this morning, I'm going to talk about Jesus, and Jesus was not like that. He came and lived as a human He came as a baby, not a warrior king, and he experienced all the highs and the lows of being a human, undergoing many of the difficulties that we face as people, difficulties that people have faced for centuries. He not only walked among us, but he was one of us. In Hebrews 4 verse 15, it tells us that Jesus was tempted in every single way, and his temptations were real, and they were difficult, and they were demanding. Okay, so this morning, I'm going to begin our talk and our series on Matthew called The Clash of Kingdoms. And together, we're going to look today at the temptation of Jesus in Matthew 4, verses 1 to 11. But just before this passage, Jesus has had his, his wonderful baptism, and then he goes into the wilderness for 40 days to fast and pray. In the Bible, 40 is the number of trial and testing. So if we remember um, other stories we read, Moses spent 40 days on Mount Sinai receiving the Torah. Um, Elijah was in the desert for 40 days, fleeing from Jezebel. There's lots of other instances where 40 is is, uh, referenced. This time in the wilderness was a period of complete dependence upon God the Father. Remember, Previously in the Bible, it is said that Jesus learned obedience through the things that he suffered in Hebrews 5 verse 8. That's where it says that. So I want to pause for a second just here, um, just to explain. In my first draft of this talk, I uh, completely brushed over this period of time, completely ignored it, um, and this oversight spoke volumes to me. So I realized that sometimes we focus too much on the trials and the temptations and big victories of, um, that we forget the still, small voice, the times of quiet that build a life of faith. This 40-day period was crucial for Jesus and his ministry. So after his baptism, he didn't hit the ground running like he just got a new job and wanted to impress his boss. Instead, what he did was he retreated and he had a focused time away to come back to his father and to pray and to fast. Now, this is a recurring theme for Jesus. 
Um, if Jesus had a marketing team, you can imagine there being plenty of times where they'd get together in the boardroom and they would strategize about the next move to promote the King of Kings. Um, they would look at how to best market this celebrity pastor when all of a sudden, Jesus takes himself away and he disappears to pray. Right at the moment, they would make the next play. Jesus knows his priorities and he knows the value of time with the Father. Jesus knows the trials that lay ahead. And so to prepare, we don't see some sort of Rocky-esque montage. We see a time of quiet reflection and restraint centered on grounding and focus. That would be a pretty boring montage to watch. Um, so it's interesting to note this about Jesus. He doesn't need to work himself up in a frenzy to face the realities of spiritual warfare. What he does is he grounds himself in the love of God and the truth of scripture. After the time of fasting and prayer, Jesus would have felt physically weak. The perfect time for the devil to strike. At this time, after this time of uh, fasting, he is led by the Spirit to be tempted by the devil. Spoiler alert, Jesus wins. In an interesting, it's an interesting phrase, led to temptation. It's almost as if God planned this. Now, let's just get this. Uh, God does not test people to make them sin. Tests are not to prove something to God who knows all things, but to prove something to us. Another way to look at this is by using the word test. Tests are hard, but the testers are good. Think about teachers. I have many friends, and there are many teachers here today um, who are teachers, and they are, are wonderful people. Um, all they want to do is they are good, they are loving people who want children to succeed, and many teachers use tests to draw out the best in us. They are not evil. Uh, some children may disagree, but I can tell you they are not. They are wonderful people. Um, and they just use tests to bring out the best. The test God is doing, but the temptation that Satan's doing. Some of you may be thinking, what about James 1? It says God cannot be tempted. How does that work? Well, simply it's because of Jesus' humanity that he can be tested. Jesus had to go through everything that we have to go through. He purposefully went through the mess and the vulnerabilities we all face. And he did that so he can say, I get it. I understand. Come to me, all who are weary. He was tempted in every way, yet was without sin. Have you ever been hangry? Hangry is a, what's the word, Eleanor? It's a portmanteau. Hangry is a portmanteau. It's a mixture of the word hungry and angry. And it's, that, it kind of, it's a good word to describe that feeling you get when you're completely unreasonable and grumpy just before you eat. Anybody get hangry? Yep, yep, <laughs> okay. Um, you get so hungry that you can't function properly. So my first job, years and years and years and years and years ago, was in Burger King. And when I worked in Burger King, I worked behind the tills. I met a lot of hangry people. Um, it was, yeah, 
lots and lots of fun. Um, Jesus, in this passage that we're about to look at, he was pushed to the limit, pushed right to the edge of vulnerability. He's hungry and he's isolated. These are the perfect conditions for temptation. When have you faced your toughest tests? When you're tired, when you're hungry, alone? Do these things sound familiar? Stories like this that we're about to read, they help us to understand the reality and the humanity of Jesus' life. So let's look at the passage. It's Matthew 4, verse 1 through to 11. So I'll read it here now. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Uh, The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, Tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all of the kingdoms of the world and all of their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you bow down to me and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then The devil left him, and angels came and attended him. The testing and temptation of Jesus is part of a long line of testing that the Hebrews consistently failed. Looking through humanity's history, we can see that we are always failing, and we are always losing. Into Jesus, the perfect one and the holy one, who comes into the world of brokenness, to become one of us. And he passes the test and he breaks the power of Satan. This testing proves to us the authority of Jesus. Testing confirms that Jesus is who he says he is. N.T. Wright, an academic, he says that Jesus in this text is shown to be the true Israelite. Jesus has come to do what God always wanted them to do, to bring light to the world. Jesus' temptation comes just after his baptism and after 40 days of fasting. This sounds very familiar to the Israelite story. Coming through the waters of the Red Sea and into the desert for 40 years for them, being baptised and coming through the waters of the Jordan and into 40 days of wilderness fasting for Jesus. Matthew is telling us something here. He is saying, look, Look at this man. He is bringing about something special and we need to pay attention to him. If we look back to Adam and Eve, uh, we can see even more parallels. They were tempted. One single temptation, one devastating result. It's part of nature since our first parents that we are drawn to sin and drawn to temptation. Jesus uses this opportunity to prove to us that he is uniquely qualified to represent us on the cross. 
Jesus was victorious over this temptation. Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden with everything they needed, whereas Jesus had nothing. Yet, he still stood against the devil to show us that he would not fail us at the cross. We can look to Jesus and we can trust him because he has shown us that he is able. Now, in scripture, Satan is not laughed at. Satan is not a joke. The devil is a serious problem for us. Satan literally means adversary. Is that right? Adversary. I kept saying it wrong when I was practicing. Um, he is the opponent. This story is the Satan versus the son. The devil has used lots of chances to get to Jesus, and here he is using his best tools to attack him. He must have been chomping at the bit when he saw Jesus. What an opportunity! So, let's look at these tests now that Jesus goes through. We have seen in the Bible that many have fallen and failed the test before Jesus. So, test one, forcing provision before it's ready. Satan presents Jesus with food when he is hungry. He tries to get Jesus to take the matter into his own hands, acting independently of the Father. He says, you are the Son of God. The devil says, you have this, you have the power to do this. Have you ever come home starving whilst making dinner, grabbed a slice of bread, put some butter on it, grabbed another one? By the time you've done that, you've made a whole sandwich before you've even made dinner. <laughs> might just be me, might just be me. Um, but it's second nature, it's so easy. Imagine having not eaten for 40 days and then being offered some bread, the best bread, a sourdough baked by the best hipster bakers in Sturchley. Even worse, you are being reminded that you could just turn stones into bread. You can imagine the devil pointing these you know, stones out, going, oh, that looks nice. Try some of this one. Satan is trying to get Jesus to take matters into his own hands, to fall into what's called the lust of the flesh. These are parallels to the way that he tempts Eve, creating the myth that God isn't providing. Jesus replies, and he quotes from a sermon uh, from Moses in Deuteronomy 8, verses 2 to 4. So I'll read the whole thing. You'll, you'll hear the, the bit that Jesus quotes, but I'll, it's good to have a bit of context for it. Um, so this is what it says. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way to the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his command. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothes did not wear out and your feet did not swell during these 40 years. Jesus uses the whole... Oh, this is my bit, not the, not the Bible. Jesus uses the whole picture, not just the temptation in front of him. He looks at the longer story, the bigger story. Satan comes and he, he tempts Jesus with what he needs. The enemy will always tempt you with something apart from God. Trying to bring about things by your own will rather than trusting God before it's ready is a sin. We have a, th have a think. Ask God to show you 
where this might be a temptation in your own life. It could be sex outside of marriage. It could be leaning too heavily on self-reliance or using God's gifts for selfish purposes. It could be overeating, and that's a really hard one to distinguish. I certainly find that difficult with my sandwiches. <laughs> so, test two. Let's think about test two. Temptation to twist God's truth. Jesus has already used scripture to push Satan away. So Satan sees an opening here. Remember, Satan is a scholar of scripture. And he's probably thinking, I'm going to use scripture to get to you and get you to do what I want. Jumping off the temple. How impressive would that have been? Dropping down like a superhero, making an entrance, giving the appearance of the promised angelic protection. Satan is offering a sensational publicity stunt, probably organised by the marketing team. But Jesus responds with humility. He does not put God to the test. Satan is tempting Jesus again to push the will of God into his way. Here, the devil quoted Psalm 91, verse 11 to 12, and took it out of its context to say, if you do this, the Bible promises angels will rescue you, and it will be a stunning self-promotion. This is a really nasty attempt to get Jesus, uh, to deceive Jesus. Satan is applying biblical truth, but in the wrong context. Jesus replies with scripture, but applies it correctly. Jesus knows that he doesn't need to display an outward spectacular sign now because he knows where his destiny lies and how the cross is his sign of victory. Not floating down from the temple on a cloud of angels like some common Greek god, we should not demand something from God to prove his love or concern for us. Test three. Jesus is already on the path to being crowned. What is Satan offering? Scholars argue over whether or not the kingdom was Satan's to give, but what Satan is offering is the chance for Jesus to take what is his now. Satan is offering the kingdom without the cross. How good does that sound? Jesus replies, get away from me, Satan. And I feel like he screamed it. We often read and maybe skip over that part, but I believe this would have been a real guttural scream from deep within. This would have been probably the hardest thing for Jesus to give up. The kingdom without the cross would have been so difficult to pass up. Satan offers something similar to people of today. He offers us the chance to be kings and queens of our own worlds. He says, hey, hey, come this way, come this way. Have all of this, serve yourselves. All Satan wants is worship and respect from God himself. And this is a revealing insight into Satan's thinking. Worship and power are far more precious to him than all the possessions of the kingdoms of the world. And Satan assumes this is what we want too. We all face temptations daily. They might not be as significant as Jesus' temptation, but the temptation is there ultimately to distract us from the direction and the purpose God has for us. Often, it will be in ways that are self-serving or self-satisfying, taking us away from the call to be community and the call to be church together. When we invite Christ into our lives and begin a new life as his children, 
we also must be aware that we will face the whisper and enticements of the enemy. When Eleanor became pregnant with our kids, I became a dad. People would say, oh, you'll be a great dad, or I bet you can't wait to be a dad. But the reality was that I was already a father to that child in the womb. It just hadn't been born yet. We live with a similar expectancy, a similar tension. We live in the clash of kingdoms, just like Jesus did. As followers of Christ, we are born again as children of God. We yearn to be close to him, to be in his kingdom. Yet, we live in a broken and fallen world. A world where children are trafficked for sex, cancer destroys lives and families, poverty and equality are all around us. But we have hope. We have a hope to share. Where in our lives can we show strength and steadfast faith in the face of temptation and evil? Where can we show others there is a God who loves them and a way to salvation? Where can we share the glimpse of the kingdom that we have? Apart from Jesus, all the rest of us lose. We all fail. Jesus, our victorious king, offers us a chance to use his scorecard for the test. He has given us the opportunity to look at his answers, to pass the trial. We have the opportunity to see him and follow them step by step. How did he pass the test? We can see that Jesus knew the word, he knew the Bible, and he used it against the enemy. Maybe together we can um, up our knowledge of the Bible and its contents. Psalm 119 says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So let's try to live that. Maybe in our small groups, maybe in our communities, let's try to challenge each other to do that. Um, you know, lots of things we can do in our communities. That way, we can get to know God more and also have more behind us for the support when we do come against trials. All we need to do is accept him. We have the opportunity to say yes and to be with him, to live our lives together with him. Throughout the rest of Jesus' ministry, Satan pops back in and out to tempt Jesus, to make him think twice about his purpose and his calling. Throughout the story of Jesus, there are times when he is questioned. If you are the son of God, get off the cross. Satan lost this time, but he continues to take opportunities to get to Jesus, to try to make him question himself. Jesus embraced the way of the cross. He embraced his suffering, ultimately, for us. He, fixed, he was fixed and he was focused on the cross because he knew that the only way to defeat sin and death and redeem the world was through the central point fulfilling the requirements of the law once and for all by doing what none before were able to do. Jesus shows us a real tangible way to tackle spiritual warfare. He used the Bible to defeat the adversary. It's not that just reading it makes a difference, but learning from it, memorizing it, studying it, really getting ingrained into the Bible. I'm going to come to land now, um, 
So as I come to land, if the band can come up, um, we're going to have a chance to come to worship. And I'm aware that temptation is a real struggle for many of us. And many of us are facing lots of different things at the moment. Um, it could be anything that is self-serving and not trusting God or twisting his truth. You can fill in the blanks for that. I don't want to um, assume things. So the text says Jesus was led by the Spirit and he confronted temptations head on. So together, let's come to worship led by the Spirit. This is a chance to bring our burdens, cast them at the foot of the cross. We hope you enjoyed the talk and found it helpful. Why not come along and visit us? We gather at three services across two sites on a Sunday and meet during the week in small groups across the city. More information on both of these can be found on our website. Thanks for listening and God bless.